navigating your business is just uh, running a business is just that's what it is. If you wake up every day, something new shows up, and then you just got to try to make the best decision at that moment. As in two years ago with the COVID, what do you do? How much? How much did that change car sales? Oh man, it changed it. Uh, the car sales it changed it dramatically. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to episode five of the Hunter Fishes podcast. Glad to have y'all here with me. And today we've got Mr. Mitch Ward of Red River Auto Group here. How are you doing today, Mitch? Doing good, Hunter. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We, uh, we're we going to pick your brain a little bit today, learn a little bit more about who Mitch Ward is. Okay, I'm excited about it. I'm, no notes have been given to me. I have no <laughs> idea what you're going to ask. I really don't know what to expect. But hey, I'm here. I'm an open book. What's well, even scarier, I don't even have any notes, so oh, I don't even know what I'm going to ask. <laughs> well, we might be in trouble. Um, you know, tell me just a little bit of who you are, what you do. I know. We kind of tell the audience a little bit of, of what you do, who you are. Well, there, those two different things, I guess, who I am and, and what I do. So most people know me by what I do, right? Um, I own Red River Dodge, uh, Ram, well, Red River Auto Group. Uh, I've been in the car business, I'd say I'm 43, since really I was 14 years old. My dad tried to send me off to, to college to do something else, but I came back and it was in my blood. And uh, we had a little used car lot we started. His partner retired, so we started it. And uh, we bought a, a Dodge store in Heber Springs. You know, we prayed about it, said we wanted to have a new car, for, uh, a new car store because we wanted to serve our customers a little better. And, uh, and then two weeks later, this Dodge store in Heber Springs came up, which we love Heber Springs. You fish Heber Springs, right, Hunter? Absolutely. Yeah, I've tried to. I can never catch a fish. You've promised me one day you'll take me out there. <laughs> and uh, But anyways, we always went up there to ski on the lake, and we saw the store. It always had a Viper in it. I don't know if you remember that way back in the day. You passed it. It had a Viper in the showroom. I think so. Yes, sir. So, you know, that's where we started. The, the Lord opened that door for us to uh, buy that store. And I know this is probably boring to go all, all out about it. But anyways, real quickly, within five years, we become the number one Ram store. You know, that town had 7,000 people at the time. We became the number one Ram store in the state of Arkansas and in the five surrounding states wow. out of that store at the favor of God. And and then, uh, you know, within a decade or so, Ford came to me wanting me to find another store to buy because in the surrounding areas where uh, they had Ford stores, we were actually the highest market share even though it wasn't even our area to sell into, we had higher market share than any of their Ford dealers. And uh, they helped us find a store. And then, you know, we got one in Cabot. And uh, we have a store in Malvern. We have a store in Wynn. Uh, we sell Toyotas now. And uh, and then we got a used car store in Jacksonville, which is actually where it all started. It's a great location there. So that's what I do. <laughs> that uh, Your dad's still at that used car store, isn't he? My dad is. He started it all. So, you know, he started it all, and that's uh, where he is. And, uh, yeah, he's still there. He loves uh, buying and selling cars and fixing cars and making customers happy. That's He finds joy in that. Well, one thing you've mentioned, you know, that, and I knew, I, I guess this is year three, I think, of me being on the Red River team. Yeah. And, you know, as, as I went in, I met with Kerry and met with different people. And you, when this first started, you know, that I, I knew y'all held God close in yeah. your life and it's and put him first. And that's awesome. You know, our, our fellow team member uh, mark rose he feels the same way yeah. and i think you've put together you know a crew that is that puts god first and i feel like you really grow when you get to do that you know we try to do that and that that leads me into who i am so who i am is a child of god and so i try to make sure and and, and that doesn't make me perfect 
you know, but it makes me, I'm serving a, a perfect father and uh, that overcomes through Jesus Christ all of my mistakes and all my sins. And so that's who I am and that's who I strive to uh, make sure our business model leads and, and tries to direct that in the in the right way every time. Now, if you go on Google reviews, Yelp reviews, or whatever, you'll you'll see people that we um, may have made mistakes on, or a lot some of them may have not made mistakes, but they see it as a mistake. And so that's why I try to separate who I am and what I do are two different things. I do try to lead into what I do by because I know the only reason I'm here is through the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, outside of Red River, who yeah. are you? What do you do? That's I, I, I mean, outside of, you know, church, do you hunt? Do you fit? I know you're a hunter. Oh, I love to hunt. So, I got a beautiful wife. Her name is Jessica. And then we got three kids. But I think we'll be married 19 years. I hope she don't listen to this, but I think it's 19 years coming up. <laughs> right? But we got three kids. One turns 18 in April. Um, another one is uh, 16, and another one is 13. We, uh, My boys are the two older ones, and we love to hunt. So, we're big deer hunters. Um, we like to bow hunt, and of course we'll shoot them with a gun too. We're not scared of that. <laughs> and uh, duck hunting, my kids really love duck hunting. I'm, I, to me, I, I'm around people all day long, and I just love the deer hunting. I get up in the deer stand by myself, and I have peace and quiet. Sometimes I drop my phone. I'm like, oh, thank the Lord, my phone fell. I'm gonna leave it there the rest of the <laughs> rest of the hunt. Right? That's good. And uh, uh, but my kids really love the duck duck hunt, and then fishing. You know, it's off and on. The weather hits good. We love to fish, but the, I think the reason we don't like fishing that much is because we we are just terrible at it <laughs> i saw the boat at beast uh outdoor innovations the other day in the back of fishing stuff that was they were putting some graphs or something on your i guess your son's boat no it's not my red, boat it's not your boat uh -uh. It said red river on it somebody no. said it oh was. no 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 so that's probably uh um, um travis's son right so, oh, okay um travis's son well, we sponsor him he's in college so zach ward his uh his daddy runs uh, uh, Cabot Park and Rec, and so we we're real big sponsors of the fishing team. I I, I love to sponsor anything outside the norm. You know, ever we right. we pour we pour money into football. You know, the school districts do, and the baseball and the basketball, and and a lot of times if you're that kid that I'm I'm just not that athletic kid, you feel left out. So the Cabot um, High School really doesn't have a fishing team, but a group of parents come together and started it. Right. And they're they're doing that. So we we're a big sponsor of them. I love it. I love to be able to give a kid that. I mean, look, we can go on and on about our public school system, how they try to separate certain individuals, and right. you know, if you don't fit in with the crowd, then you must not be it. But these parents took an opportunity of people that love outdoors and are and love to fish and, and zach brown really exceeded in that or zach ward i zach think brown, zach brown sings <laughs> zach ward really exceeded exceeded in that now he's got a scholarship up to college of the ozarks i think is that what it is can't remember one of them up there we might want to edit that out because that could be wrong too <laughs> and so um the college allows him to pick up a sponsor um to help provide for his um, you know everything and so yeah we're wrapping his boat so it's pretty cool he might he He's winning a lot of tournaments. So hey, well, and I knew the name. So in fact, Zach Ward with the Red River boat is not yeah. of the Ward. No, the he's Saint not Ward of the Ward family. family. I mean, he's of the family. He's not of the Blood family. But I mean, he's of the Red River family. Good guy, good Christian kid. Um, I saw him speak to some of the high school kids the other day. And man, he's a motivator. He's he, if he can make it in the pro, he's going to be an upcoming. He'll be he'll be good. Y'all need to team up. Awesome. Hey, we can him. do that. Get anytime. him on the podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. So for Red River. Mm -hmm. You're going to grow more? Are you happy where you're at? Happy where I am. Always find contentment in where you're at, right? Right. You know, if you, but always strive to do better. And, uh, yeah, we're going to grow more. That's that's in the plans. Is it this year? Is it 
five years from now, I don't know. But, yeah, we're going to grow more. Going to keep moving. It's coming, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah. That's awesome. Never, never be stagnant. If I decide to start being stagnant, I'll sell out and be a pro fisherman. I don't know. <laughs> do something different. It doesn't different. pay very yeah, well. But I, want but you I know. love what I do, so we're not we're not selling out. So we plan on growing more. We, we, we have slowed down a little bit looking, trying to – navigate the times of the tech technology you know all these manufacturers are pushing for new technology and and they think it makes better customer experience but they're not on the ground floor it makes terrible customer experience because they're they're pushing technology too early too early i don't know if you've seen that on the ram ram ads at premature electrification i don't know as i as i was walking out the door this morning i saw lithium batteries they've had 42 fires from lithium batteries and uh, yet they want everybody to stick one in a garage, and, and yeah. not not just you know you know car batteries, but also every other battery. But they want they want everybody to have that car sitting in your garage, and they're having issues out of them. And it's a little too early, but it, it but even beyond the battery, just the amount of computers and stuff they put on cars, it's calls for a, a, a worse customer experience. And so we slow down a little bit trying to navigate that, trying to figure out because we want to be able to take processes into new stores. I can't be in every store. So we want to try to put in put processes together that when we start new stores, here's the process. It works. Um, you you can kind of work around it do, and fit what's better for you, but stick to that process. And man, you know, like like those lithiums. It's I know when they came out for the the boats, you know, lithium batteries. It was like I remember Chris Lane, which is at the time I think he was on the Elite series, but his boat burned up in the ho- hotel parking lot, Dardanelle. Oh, really? Like, lithiums were catching on fire in boats, and they finally got that under control. But, Have they started know, pushing electric boats yet? All electric? Mercury has electric motors now. Small, like mm-hmm. nine-nines, oh. but I don't know. It's all right for a trolling motor. But yeah, I don't yeah. I don't, it'd be hard to come out of a diesel truck into electric, and it'd be real hard to come out of a 250 well, four-stroke motor to electric. That's right. You might get to the fishing tournament, but you ain't coming home. No. It'd be slow, <laughs> about every three hours. Right. <laughs> um. Talk, talk to our listeners. Give some advice on starting. Well, I, I know your dad started the business, but running a business from, from something small, growing it, being a business owner. Oh, man. That's a, like, that's a wide open. It is. I can go on and on. You know, I was thinking, uh, you know, as, yeah, I was thinking the other day, and, th- and these are opinions, all right? These are opinions. But as a follower of God, you know, a lot of times the whole system, we go back to school district, go back to public school system, to college or whatever, we're always taught to try to, what, graduate school, get a good job that's going to take care of you and build a good retirement. So, so everything you do, you're putting trust on uh, who you work for. Or a lot of times they, they want you to get in the government, work for the government. And then, then even when you have a hankering to do something else and maybe I can go out and start my own business, you don't want to because I've got 10 years into this and so I'm putting all my trust into whoever I work for. I think starting your own business, I think, is the ideal thing for any adult Christian to want their kids to do because this is why I got to wake up every single morning and pray to the Lord that I'm gonna, He's gonna guide me on my next step. Right? right. I don't have to wake up and say, "Oh, I know the government's gonna give me a check on Friday afternoon." I've got to create it, and I've got to use the ability that God's given me to create it. So, I think everybody should try to start their own business, start their own podcast, try to be a pro fisherman. You know, don't let society sit there and tell you, uh, no, you need to do this so you can have a good retirement when you're 55 years old. Well, what are you going to do when you, when you retire? Right. 
Life's nothing. Sit yeah. around. You hear people all the time die three years after they retire, you know. Absolutely. But self-employed people very rarely retire. You know, <laughs> so you they never get the opportunity to die after they retire. <laughs> That's right. So there's always a new thing. But, um, I mean, that and starting business, we can go on. And we can probably start a whole new podcast on that. But then running a business, it's the same thing. Man, you got to pray for the, pray to the Lord to, to guide you because it's ever-changing. Here, here we go. I'll, let's talk about one today. I've got a guy right now. That, uh, you know, we do background checks. Um, we do drug tests. I don't know if I should talk about this. I'm going to because it's out there. And so we're going to get a drug test tomorrow. Okay, hey, just let you know I, I smoke marijuana. But I got a card. So this is, an, is kind of come up a new thing, right? I've got a card. I smoke marijuana, which I think you can go online and get a card for 50 bucks. Anybody know? Anybody know that? Anybody? Sounds right. But even if you can't. I know that 60% of doctors, I can go to a doctor today, I can tell them what I want, and they're probably going to give it to me. I mean, right. you know, because that's what they do. I mean, most doctors are. We, we'll talk about that on a different podcast. <laughs> but you can get what you want. And so, so he's got a marijuana card, and so here I am. I, I don't want a guy coming into my dealership trying to sell you a car that's high just because somebody told him he had a marijuana card, but no different do I want him to come in and be stoned on a pain pill either. Right. So... I mean, those are just type stuffs you got You have to navigate when you own your own business, and and then uh, you make one decision. Fifty percent of the people are going to disagree, and that's where you see it on social media all the time. You know, people blowing people up over the wrong decision. So, navigating your business is just uh, running a business is just that's what it is. If you wake up every day, something new shows up, and then you just got to try to make the best decision at that moment. As in two years ago with the COVID, what do you do? How much? How much did that change car sales? Oh, man. It changed it. Uh, the car sales, it changed it dramatically. Um, or the technique. I mean, I know. Technique, it changed dramatically, and here's why. It didn't change the technique. It shouldn't have changed the technique. It did change the technique. Any Anybody that could breathe could come in and sell a car during those two years because, I mean, a car would hit the Internet, it'd be gone. So all they had to answer the phone and say, yeah, it's out here. All right, see you in a minute. And they buy the car. So salesmen did not have to practice. It'd be like an NBA player going to play in a junior high. He didn't have to work hard for it. He knew he was going to show up and win. And so what happened is they just got to where they weren't training themselves. They weren't knowing how to um, how to get Hunter to want to buy from me instead of anywhere else. But we also lost loyalty because we didn't have the cars we normally had. Wherever they could get a vehicle. They'd where they go buy them wherever, wherever they were. So in that instance, we, would try to, we had to start trying to get people to order cars. Instead of, uh, we became order takers, but we tried, hey, man, order your car, order your car, which was crazy. 90% of people didn't want to order cars. They like to touch and fill them. Mm-hmm. But we'd have to try to talk them into ordering the car. That way we'd have a business built for six, seven, eight months down the road. Um, but that's all coming back. It's changing. I remember being in your office and you said, it's like, I enjoy selling cars and I don't now. I just order <laughs> another truck for somebody. That's right. Like, it, was, it was absolutely no fun. And I said, hey, Hunter, I'll give you a good deal. It's MSRP. <laughs> You know, it's kind of like, because you weren't getting it. You know, you weren't getting many. So to be able to keep everybody employed, you had to increase your price. So I had to stick at MSRP. But the good news is you bought an MSRP then, you could have sold it the next day for ten grand over. But those days are over. The fun's coming back where we can actually discount cars again. You get 0% interest, and I'm excited about that. Awesome. So with, with, with owning this own business, I think happiness and freedom plays a lot. You talk about you know, having to ask the Lord, mm-hmm. but just being like, I enjoy fishing. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it an efficient world. We're doing podcasts. Yeah. 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 That's what it is. Yeah. But you know, I, 
podcast, whatever it is, speaking engagements to make a living. Mm -hmm. Is that, would you be happier doing anything else? Are you right where you like? Well, I'm right where I'm right where I like it. I like where I'm at, but I mean, I do think I'd be happy. I mean, my, my happiness is not found in Red River Auto Group. That is not my happiness. My again, my happiness found in Jesus Christ. But yes, sir. the Lord has me exactly where I need to be because He knows, you know, it, He wants to uh, just like you want to do for your child. I want to do for my child. I want to bless him and put him where he wants to be. Uh, that's what God God does for us, and I believe that's why I'm here. Um, Hunter, so we we came across each other because you reached out to us. And we get tons and tons of tons of tons of people reaching out to us uh, for sponsorships, and I'm real, I, I'm real picky. I want to make sure. And then when I say that, you, somebody might look and say, "Why are you sponsoring that guy?" Well, I might change it later if you pull it to me. But I try to want to make sure people that meet our values, and uh, and you did. You know, you met up with our values, and and seeing the perseverance that you have to push and have and enjoy life. Uh, that you do I was like heck yeah we want to be on board with Hunter you know as opposed to a lot of other people so thank you for reaching out to us well absolutely us that. Yeah. thank y'all and you know I actually it was I started the NPFL I was going to travel nationally I had I remember the first time I came to your office I had a Duramax with about 250,000 miles on it yeah and I said I've I've got to have another vehicle but I'd, I'd gone to uh, I guess the Dodge store in Heber maybe I'd found a truck online I liked mm -hmm. I went and I couldn't figure of course it's it's a big operation. Like, right. I can't just walk in and talk to you until mm -hmm. I've made that connection, right? Right. No, I, I found a truck at, at uh, Heber that, that I wanted, a, a Cummins, and uh, I went up there, and there was a sales lady that had no idea anything about fishing, me, nothing. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I, I, I want to buy this truck, but I really want to get my foot in the door. Pun mm -hmm. there, seeing right. I don't have any feet, right. but I want to get my foot in the door. <laughs> yeah. um, what do I need to do? And she took it upon herself to reach out and make the right connections for me to have a meeting yeah, and then get in front of you. And it actually came to fruition, which looking well, back get, was just had to get past Carrie first, had to get past yeah, Carrie. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, came to your office and talked to you and it, uh, yeah, it just, yeah. It, I didn't realize looking back, it was kind of crazy to go about it that way, but I didn't know how else to go about it, you know, and just yeah, how things, do you? things yeah. happen, you know, for a reason sometimes yeah, for that's sure. Right. Well, you did it the right way because you got in the right place, right time. And, Carrie and Dalton both, you know, you know, they, they, they'll kind of weed through a lot of them, and, and they both push you towards me. And then I think I was there when you showed up for that first. I was. Yeah, or you were. Right. You had that Duramax diesel yes. in there. Yeah, we got you gave me a hard time. Yeah. You had to get you out of that turd. <laughs> you sell everything out there but yeah. the Duramax, well, and I pull up in the Duramax. But you bought one when they were good. So Yes. Was it was, yeah, it was deleted. It was yeah, a good one. Right. <laughs> so, especially your Dodge dealership, you you don't have, you know, geogra the, the, the. geographically. Yeah, yeah that word. Yeah. Especially the Dodge dealership at Hebert. Geographically, you don't have the amount of people drive by that, that you do some of these interstate dealerships. Mm -hmm. How do you bring people that, that aren't wanting to support the local dealerships because they live there? The, these out-of-town people, how do you get those people to buy a vehicle? Well, without sound, sounding cliche, we'll go back to the Lord's favor, but... I'll also say that in oh, I mean, it is the Lord's favor. There's no but to it. The Lord's favor, but the Lord also guides us, gives us decisions to make to make things right. In 2005, when we bought that, all we wanted was the access to the finance companies. Used car stores couldn't get finance companies. New car stores would. I thought, well, I'm gonna go up there and work three days a week, and I'll run my used car lot most of the time. I'll go three days a week back and forth. Well, within two weeks, I was 
six days a week, you know. <laughs> that store used to close at noon on Saturdays. Well, I would be the only one show up on Saturday, and I'd sell three cars by noon. I'm like, what the heck if I stay after noon? How many am I going to sell? So then Saturdays became a good day. I, I started working, hired a, a somebody to help answer the phone. My customers would actually answer the phone for me. I'd sell them a car. I'd do, do their paperwork. I'd go detail it. And I'd say, hey, would you mind answering the phone while I'm washing, getting your, prepping your car for delivery? No. And, the, and then the customers were excited. Hey, I got two phone calls. They want you to call about a car. So customers were excited. And, uh, and then every night, nearly, I would be delivering a car home to somebody through connections. You know, you, and this is what I tell my kids. You know, you hate school. You hate this. But I hated school, too. And, and I didn't do right. I, I went in and got it done. But go to school and make connections. So we, our family had a lot of connections that people would like to call us so, and buy a car. Of course, we would take care of them on price, deliver the car, bring one back. And they'd tell their friend. I never even seen the store. They brought it to me. So I delivered the car. Back before Carvana ever existed, we were delivering cars to people's houses in 2005. And, uh, you know, probably by 2010, over 40% of the people bought from us never saw our car dealership. No kidding. Yeah. So, so number one, we'd be the lowest price. You could go to that dealer and you could fight for three to four hours trying to lower the price. Well, I just thought, I don't know if you ever saw my old store, but it... I think I think when it, they sold it, they sold it two hundred fifty thousand. I was renting it for eighteen hundred a month. But I thought these guys got these huge facilities. I don't have to make that kind of money. So I was one of the first people, uh, almost like uh, Al Gore. I think didn't he invent the internet? <laughs> I like to say I was the first one to start putting new cars pictures on the internet. No one did that in 05 and 06 and 07. Nobody put new car pictures on the internet. I did because I you know I was out there by myself and I'm a I'm a little ADD. If I have nothing to do, I'm going to find something to do. So I'd go take pictures and upload them to uh, the Internet, and then we'd get leads via faxes. They'd come in through the fax, our lead would. So we'd show up in the morning. We'd get those leads. We'd call them. Well, I, you know, I was down here at Blank Dealership shopping, and they're at this. Well, look, my online price is already cheaper than theirs. I'll bring it to you today. Boom, and that's how we did it. And uh, then I just hired another salesman. I'd move my desk. I'd hire another salesman. I'd move my desk. Some salesmen were operating off of boxes, like cardboard boxes, because, you know, we were in a 2,100-square-foot building. We were all squeezed in there. And before you knew it, I mean, we had – when we were selling 200 cars a month, and you'd have to go to Heber Springs to see this place. Um, but it's probably on an acre and a half. Had cars piled everywhere. I'd be out there mowing the lawn, you know, and sweeping while the guys were selling. I mean, it just – God really blessed us, but gave us the innovation to deliver the car. Just We didn't think anything about it. We didn't think, hey, delivery is going to be where it's at. We just wanted to take care of the customer. But now delivery, you know, Carvana started pushing delivery. Of course, they're fixing to file bankruptcy. Uh, we can talk about that later, too. But everybody's trying to push delivery now. Not really. <clears throat> A lot of your local stores still don't want to deliver cars. I mean, the idea hit from 05 till today a manufacturer wants you to, they all, here's their same question they ask when they come in. How many appointments are you setting a day? If any of you guys call to buy something and, and ask them how much it is and they try to set an appointment with you, what do you think? I called to ask a question. I want, I want to buy the car. But still, the CRN, the month, CRNs would pay $3,000 a month for the manufacturers that send their people in to teach us how to do business. They want to know how many appointments I have for today. I tell my guys, skip the appointment, sell the car, uh, you know, take care of the customer. If the customer wants to come in, then we'll set an appointment. But, you know, if you call one a three-quarter ton truck, last thing you want to do is try to look at your calendar, try to think about the perfect time to come look at that three-quarter ton truck. You don't know how much it is. Put the deal together, and if you can, bring it to me. Even when I bought mine, I put leather in it. 
Yeah. So y'all had it a couple of days after I bought it, but my wife was at work at a you know a nighttime factory job, Walmart distribution, and she couldn't get up there to sign papers with me. So y'all, I mean, y'all drove the paperwork to me. You know, yeah. I, I didn't have the truck yet. Yeah. We drove back up there and got the truck, but you know, y'all drove the paperwork. We did everything in the parking lot of Walmart distribution. Yeah. And sent her yeah. back. You know, yeah. and that's that's it was so easy. You yeah. know, for He's sure. Still do it. Last week, my son delivered one to Fayetteville. Of course, he has a girlfriend up there, so you know he's That's excited easier. about taking that trip to Fayetteville. He delivered a Ford Raptor, brought back a Ford Raptor. Uh, this week, we've taken a, a rig to Georgia to a small business, little uh, Promaster City. They've been trying to buy from their local stores. A friend, a connection from church, uh, works for them now. Calls me, says, "Hey, what do y'all have?" Boom, we had it to him within two days. And he's ordered five more cars from us. So really? Quit dealing with the local dealer. So, <laughs> you know, and most of the time people do give their local dealer a chance. It's just that local. And we got to be careful about that, too, because when somebody comes in the store, sometimes we just take for granted they're going to buy from us. And uh, that's why I tell my guys, I said, man, don't take for granted of that because they're going to leave and call. Just make sure you take care of the customer. And that's that's our whole goal. Take care of the customer. Make it easy. Last thing I, I want to do if I got three kids to play soccer, baseball, whatever, is wasting four hours on a Saturday buying a car. And I've owned businesses, and the customer's always right yep. most of the time. And that, that's hard pill yeah, to swallow sometimes. They're not always right, but you sure got to try but to pretend it. You got to see right. it their way. I always that's try right. to see it their that's way. Right. I try to back up and see why do they think this. They're totally wrong, but why do they think this? We did something wrong to make them think that. That's right. That's what we do. So I heard you say something, and, and it really sparked me because I get to – I get to go speak to lots of schools and kids and, you know, in my fishing, to relate this to fishing, in my fishing, when it's pouring rain, we're still fishing. Mm -hmm. Like, I get to spend some time at home when guys are at an eight-to-five job. Maybe I get to hang out with my family at home. Mm -hmm. But then when when time calls, it calls, and we go. And it's 15-hour days, and it's long, and it's hard. (laughs) But you do it to be the best. And what I tell these kids when I go, I tell them, and I think I've said this on another show, but – you know, if you're playing football or whatever it is you're doing in life, but if you're playing football and you're not making practice, mm-hmm. you're going to sit on the bench and watch the guys be stars of the show. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be the star. But, you know, and what I'm seeing, you earned it. I mean, you you were mowing the grass. You were yeah. sitting on a box. You know, you're running the dealership by yourself when it first opened. What does that – what does that – look like to you i mean how much of that discipline does it take to be successful well you got there's several answers uh, yeah first of all the you're sitting on the bench watching i tell so my my family we're not a sports family i didn't know i'm not either i had no idea who's playing in the super bowl till about 45 minutes before the super bowl you know we had the party (laughs) at my house we had church people come over our place and did it but i always tell my kids i said there's those that watch and there's those that do yep so i can sit around watch somebody play and that's i can sit there watch people play or I can build my own basketball gym, go play basketball, which I do. I, you know, I got a basketball gym. We play basketball a couple nights a week. And, uh, and I try to teach uh, my kids that, um, as far as, uh, uh, you know, the discipline, I mean, honestly, you got to see a goal. You know, I wasn't disciplined in school. I was a A, B, C student. You know, I wasn't the greatest. I could have been a straight A student, but I'm going to miss out on some fun, you know. It's kind of how I felt like I wanted to go out and deer I was, hunt. I wanted to go I, hang out with friends. I wanted to. Man, I'll stop you for a second. In yeah. college, I had a noon class on Friday. It was the only class I had on Friday. Yeah. And I'd fish every Friday before I'd get there. Mm-hmm. And then I'd fall asleep in class almost every week. Like, sometimes you're focused on the wrong yeah. things. And, I mean, and, and I can look back, and I, I do this. I'm, I'm very analytical. I try to look back at where what happened to people when I was growing up and where they are now because I'm trying to raise kids, right? 
And there's a lot of valedictorians that never, never made it anywhere. As a matter of fact, they're strung out on anxiety medicine because they're striving to be perfect to what the world lines right. up to perfect, right. which is straight A's. And straight A's isn't perfect. Right. Uh, straight A's might get you a college degree to go where you have to, again, anxiety to get to be perfect. Yes. But anyways, we go on to that, well, on and on. But to me, the discipline hit. I almost fell out of my first year of college. I went to BB. I started taking 15 hours. I, I, I was working kind of I was selling cars, too, and I started to fail one class. I dropped. I got to nine hours I was taking a BB. <laughs> and I think I made D's and C's, whatever. And then um, I, I felt the Lord lead me to go to a Bible college, uh, Southwestern Assembly of God University. And so I did. And immediately I started getting straight A's. But still, I was kind of, you know, I wasn't looking at the end goal. I was just, I just started working. I, I studied for pastoral ministries at that time. Really? Uh, the first uh, six weeks. And then after that, I, uh, I just didn't feel like a, it, it was my spot. And I went to chapel one day, and Mr. Teeter, I don't know if you ever heard of Teeter, Teeter Chevrolet. Mm-hmm. He stood up, and he had, he had committed half a million dollars to help build a facility. And I thought, that's, who, that, that's what I want. Right then, I could feel the calling in my heart. I said, that's who I want to be. I want to be somebody that makes money. And gives back, you know, gives to missionaries, gives to churches, gives to people, and gives. And, and so that that was my goal. I immediately left, went and changed my major to business. Uh, my last two, my last year, I was told I was going to have to go another year. I'm, I'm not a school person. I was done, but I'd already made it that far. So I had to start. I took like intermediate accounting and advanced accounting. Advanced accounting I had to do on my own, took intermediate accounting in class, and I did 21 and 23 hours those last two semesters, and I got out. And so my discipline came when is money. I mean, I started, I, I saw how to make money. I found out how to make money, and uh, I, I knew what I was going to do, and I just started doing it. I got up early. I beat everybody to, to buy cars. I, I would try to go in there, and I'm an introvert. You know, I don't like being around people, but I knew I had to get down there and talk to people to make it happen. I just forced myself to do it if I wanted to get ahead. And, uh, and so I, I try to discipline my life in, in every way I can, even – to the point I built my house with stairs because I want to make sure I walk upstairs to get exercise. Because I know as I got older, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to get exercise. Um, you know, in college, I made sure I was always up before 8, even if I had nothing to do, because I just didn't want to be that guy that sits around and slumbers. And you call my wife, she'll, she'll know, I'll call on a Saturday. If my kids aren't up by a decent hour, I get up. I don't care if you have anything, dude. Don't lay around your bed. Come lay on the couch. You know, I just, because I try to teach them, you got to learn that self-motivation and self-discipline. But it can't be taught. I don't, I don't think it can be taught. I think you've got to find the drive in your heart. And that's why I'm so against marijuana. Because marijuana dry, takes away that self-discipline, takes away that drive. And uh, it just does. I mean, you know, honestly, I'm against going home and uh, it, it drives me nuts. People say, well, i got to have a sip of wine to wind down. Well, the Lord's got you wound up for a reason. Let's stay wound up. You know, find something to do. You might be able to stay up for three or four more hours and do your podcast. You know, but a lot of times we always... And so I, I purposely, you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke weed, I don't, I don't take uh, uh, pain pills, I won't, I won't uh, drink a little wine to settle down because I purposely think that God's created our bodies um, to be able to fight through all this stuff. So that's where I get my self-discipline from. I try to think ahead. I set goals in my life. I knew when I wanted to be married. I knew uh, when I wanted to own a business. I knew when I wanted to... Have have a lot of money. I had a budget. I had a, I won't tell you how much, but I had a goal in my mind how much money I wanted to have, and I knew when I wanted to be able to retire—not retire, but be able to retire. I hit every goal. I was a little late on the marriage, but I hit every goal. 
I'm glad somebody knows what's going on because I'm 36 and I still don't know what I, I want to do when I grow <laughs> oh, up. I still don't know. What I, I don't know what I want to do. I just had <laughs> goals of where I wanted to be. Now I got to find new goals. You know, it's kind of tough. But maybe it'll be go fishing. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So question. I've got a little hunting truck at home that's not worth much. But everybody says it's worth a whole lot because this used car market went nuts. Yeah. It's starting to fall off now. Um, how does that, you know, if you bought a truck six months ago, you paid a lot more for it than probably what it's worth at this point. How do you recover from that? Yeah, if you if you bought a car between six months ago to probably 18 to 24 months ago, you're, you're what they call buried. Um and you may not be buried. You may pay cash for it. You just you're gonna lose a lot of money. I, I got my wife's wagon here right now. I'm looking to trade it in. I figure it cost me a dollar a mile to drive that thing. She got thirty two thousand miles on it. And it costs a lot, a lot of money. How do you get out of it? I mean, you, you don't. If you finance, what what happened then is a lot of people would sell their car to Carvana or whatever because they offered way too much money for their car, and they would keep their equity and then come pay top dollar for another car. And so now today they're upside down. They didn't put any money down. They finance it. They're upside down. If they took their equity and put on that car and looked at it as a trade difference, they would be okay. Because your trade difference, as the car market goes down, your trade goes down, the car market goes down. It, it changes like that. But if you sell yours top dollar, then finance top dollar, you're upside down. You're not going to get out of it. Unless going back to thinking that equity you had and pay it down. You're just going to have to drive, drive through it. Is that how Carvana got in a bind from paying too much for these used vehicles? Carvana got in a bind. It goes back to discipline. So Carvana made their money because they're, they're stock exchange. They went public. Carvana made their money by you and other people buying stocks, you know, just like Rivian. All of a sudden, the big corporate guys, they took – they had no discipline, right? They took all the money out. As, as it grew, they took the money out. They sold their shares. They took the money out. Anybody with, with, with any financial brain could have looked at them and know – it wasn't going to work. Most people don't, right? They just say, "Oh, Carvana, that sounds cool. I'm going to give five thousand here. I'm going to put two thousand there." And so they get enough people to give a thousand, two thousand dollars by their stocks, and it climbs. And you got the other guys, you know, like this Bitcoin guy living out in the Bahamas on their <laughs> beach house. Well, they don't care what the guy that invested a thousand dollars does. What happened is, anybody in the car business knew it was going to happen. I mean, we've never seen cars. I mean, cars. Some of them increase sixty-five percent. Everybody knew that what goes up, what? Comes down. Has to come down. That's right. So what I did, and what's crazy, when I talk to my friends, I tell them this, nobody even thought about it. I, I did, so if I gave you, if I went and bought a car for fifteen grand, um, or if I traded for your car at 12000 I put a hard pack on it of $500. That hard pack went to a reserve. And so I just took that $500. i am not going to make money on it. I put it over here in a reserve. And over that time, and car prices kept increasing. It's crazy. They just kept. Normally, if you had a car six months, you're going to sell it, lose money. If I had a car six months, I made five grand. You know, it went up in value. But I would take that money and put in a hard pack. So instead of me going to the bank and going on extra vacations because I made so much money that year, I stuck it over here in a reserve. And then when everything fell and I lost a million dollars on used cars in November, I mean, the value lost a million. I had money to buy my cars now didn't affect our profit. Uh, we didn't get greedy. So Carvana went broke out of greediness. They wanted to make sure they bought every car from any, every individual. They didn't want to be beat. I don't know if they were paying people to buy these cars, but they were given astronomical amounts. And uh, and they're able. They're still able to sell them at what they gave for them because a lot of people, they're, they're backed by a bank. Well, actually, I think the banks kind of died down now because they're on bankruptcy. But they were, 
they were backed by a bank, they could finance somebody that never paid a bill in their life, and they'd sell them that car at the overpriced value. And it looks good on their stocks, right? Oh, I sold that car, kind of like Carmark does. It looks good on my stocks. I sold it for twenty-five grand to a guy that's never paid a bill in his life. What do you think is going to happen to that car? Right. It's going to come back. And as it comes back, what's going to happen to Carvana? They're that, gone. That's where we're at today. Yeah. Yeah. What about the new car market? I know with boats, like, they're still going up. Like, there has to be a breaking point. Is, are, is the new cars, are they starting to come back down a little? Lack of self-discipline and greed by the manufacturers. So new car dealers, as new boat dealers, would get a suggested price to sell that boat. They were selling them for over that suggested price because they could, again, instead of getting 100 a month, they were getting five a month. So they would have to maximize their profit at that time. Manufacturers saw that. So what did manufacturers do? They increased their prices. And uh, right now, the I mean, a, a truck that was $82,000 is now $89,000. I can't adjust that. You know, before I could adjust it up or down or right. up, I couldn't go down. But once it said 89, I might have my cost is 87. I can't go back down to the original cost. And so the manufacturers, we're seeing these cars sit on the lots longer. You're going to see bolts sit on the lots longer. And uh, by the summertime, we're going to see a drastic, drastic decrease. Used cars, new cars, and especially recreational. Um, take it to the bank, but it's just my opinion. What do you do from there? What do you do from there? What do you do Me? as a dealership? Get back to having fun, selling cars at <laughs> discounts, getting a, reason, a used car trade-in at less than what a new car is, which is what it's supposed to be, and and just back you, to get back. People where are always, you were. They're always going to need cars, and we're going to see we're going to see a lot of people going to have credit issues that never had credit issues before because they're not going to be able to afford that payment, and they can't trade out of it. If you bought a three-quarter ton Denali and you were self-employed and you're in construction and you're really rolling, but you finance it top dollar and now it's dying down, and you want to trade for a half ton, you're going to have twenty grand. You're going to be buried in. You're going to have to figure out how to come overcome that, and that guy might end up having to quit suffering, not paying some of his bills, and it's going to hurt his credit. When his credit goes down, his interest rates go up. And so he's going to buy less truck at probably the same payment as he's driving that higher dollar truck. Mm-hmm. So we're going to, so they're going to have no choice but to file bankruptcy or, you know, just let the car go back and ruin the credit. So we're going to see a lot of people getting that instances, and it's going to be terrible. But you know, five years, it'll they can even back out, go back to work, do things the right way. So I wasn't a fi- I'm not a. I used to try to be a financial advisor on the sales floor. Then I'd see him go buy a car somewhere else. So <laughs> I, I quit being. I quit trying to be a. Fi- if you ask me my opinion, I'll give it to you. But I quit trying to be a financial advisor on the sales floor. But if they want to buy a car, you'll let them buy a car. I'll sell them a car all day long. Yeah. I'll even sell them a Kia if they think they want it. <laughs> That's their fault. <laughs> all right. Enough with cars. Yeah. Normally, on my fishing guests, I ask them, or actually, I say normally. I just started this a couple of episodes ago. But I ask them, favorite memory you remember of fishing and the worst memory you remember, as in losing fish, something like that. You don't fish a lot. No. So talk you, to me about deer hunting if you want to. No, when I was a kid, I used to go fish. I had a pond across my house, and I'd always go fishing. I was an infomercial guy. But I'd go out by myself after school, and that's what I would do. I'd fish. I love fishing. I'd go fish the ponds with the flying lure. And, the, and the, on the golf course, you know, my friends come by me, you know, golfing. I'd be out there fishing. So um, I, I like to fish, but, you know, I just – I'm not patient for it anymore. What I do every day is fishing, you know. Right. So, so talk to me. What's one you remember? It's like, oh, my gosh, maybe it's your biggest fish or your most – Prize memory? I can't think of a bad memory on fishing. I mean, I've had, uh, you know, uh, several bad deer hunts. You know, I shot a massive buck coming out of, you know, my. I was, I was actually getting down 10, I hunted until 10 o'clock that morning. So here's a bad one. I'll give you that. 10 o'clock that morning, get down to leave, and there here comes a buck um, out of the woods, head down, whatever. 
perfect shot, shot him, perfect spot. He kicked out, turned, found one spot of blood, never found another blood again. And uh, never found any sign. I mean, I know I, I had to kill the deer because I don't miss. <laughs> but, but <laughs> well, hey, thank you very much for coming in for the podcast. I appreciate you. Where can they find you if they're going to get online? Look at Red River. Red River Auto Group. They can find us Red River Auto Group. We've actually tried to start our own podcast called Red River Real Talk as well, but it, it may it may go, it may not. But uh, thank you so much for just uh, putting us on, uh, for inviting us on. It's redriverautogroup.com. I'm sure everybody knows that. No, it's not. Dalton says redriverauto.com. Just Google it. Nobody puts the dots in there anyhow. Just Google it. You'll find us, okay? Don't Google it. Duck, duck, go it. Go to duck, duck, go. Duck, duck, go. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hey, my next episode I'm very excited about. One of the legends of the sport will be on, but I'm not going to tell you it is yet. So see you all on the next one.